Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. You get into that course. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this earth will go strangely dim. Beautiful, beautiful song. So reassuring. Well, tonight, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's use them. Amen. That's why we come to God's house, to use His Word and uh, proclaim what's in the text. Um, I tell people all the time, I said, you know, one of my pet peeves is uh, with preaching is that some preachers will take a text and read it just to get it out of the way. That's not how you preach. Uh, you open up the Word where God's placed you in your study and your preaching, and you preach the text. Amen? What God has said. I wouldn't want you coming to hear what I have to say. Amen? You'd be wasting your time tonight. So uh, we want to dive into God's Word. Uh, and the context of God's Word here in this passage of chapter 12, and make application for our lives in this uh, portion of Scripture. So um, look at Exodus chapter 12. We're going to pick up in verse 14, and we're going to read through verse 20. All right? Verse 14 through verse 20. Uh, We're going to be looking at a thought about honoring our freedom in Jesus. Honoring our freedom in Jesus. In Jesus. And so thinking about Independence Day, thinking about our freedom of our land, but tonight let us really center our hearts around the freedom we have because of God's grace, our spiritual freedom. We've seen a lot of topology and some foreshadowing of of the one who would come, right, and pay the ultimate price for sin, and which is Jesus Christ. And uh, we dealt last uh, last week and talking about the, uh, the lamb and about the blood that would be shed, about the body of the lamb that would be roasted and eaten, and how that was a, a foreshadowing or type of how Jesus would have his blood shed uh, for the sin uh, of the world, and then the uh, roasting of the body of that lamb and the eating of that lamb shows forth how we are to, we have Christ in us. But then also how we are to grow in Christ within ourselves. And so a beautiful picture there. And we unpacked that last week. So we want to start in verse 14 and read through verse, read through verse 20. All right? So God's Word says this. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations... Ye shall keep it a feast by an an ordinance, excuse me, forever. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and in the seventh day, There shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save or except uh, that which every man must eat 
that only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at even, or in the afternoon, ye shall eat unleavened bread until uh, the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Last verse. Ye shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations. Shall ye eat unleavened bread. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the reading of your word. And we give high reverence and respect to your word. And uh, Father, I pray that we learn a great uh, truth uh, and a biblical principle for our lives. Uh, and how we are to have a life that is clean. And how that life that is clean is, an, is honoring the life that was given on behalf of us. And so, Father, I pray that you'll help us to be um, believers that truly honor um, you with our living. Um, there is no small sin that is, should be left unconfessed. Uh, there should be no ounce of obedience that is left uh, unsurrendered to because our lives are to be lived in honoring uh, of the life of Christ. So thank you for, for his sacrifice and his resurrection. And so guide us in your word tonight. I desperately need you. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So I gave a little bit of introduction just a minute ago before we read the text. But we've just witnessed the instituting of the Passover. Now we've been on a journey for a while in regards to God raging or, 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 or uh, bringing war, if you will, to the uh, false gods of Egypt. As he told them that there's no, one, there's no one like me in all the world. No one like me, and I'm going to prove that to you. And God's deserving of that recognition. Amen? He is God. Uh, but there is idolatry there in Egypt, and then also he was going to have his way with Pharaoh. So that, that, that war has been going on. And now we've come, now on the threshold of the last plague, which is the plague of death. The Bible tells us that there will be no other plague like this. There will be cries in Egypt, and there will never be cries like this in all of history, like this time that will happen in Egypt. And so the plague is this, is that God will kill all the firstborn of every creature. And especially those in Egypt, those that did not have the shed blood of the lamb that was observed and deemed clean, unspotted. They would take that shed blood that the man of the house would take after they would observe that lamb in their own home. And he would shed the blood of that lamb. And they were to apply that over the threshold. Not on the threshold. The blood of Christ was meant to be passed under, not walked over. So remember that. They placed it on the doorpost and the lintel to walk under, not walk over. And so they told, uh, Moses told him, he said, the only way, the only means of which you would have protection is to pass under the blood and to remain in that house where the blood was applied. 
Not to wander out of that home, but to remain there. And so we understand that the means of our redemption is in the blood. Amen. The shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, Another pet peeve I have is is some songs or lyrics will say the spilled blood. It wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. The shed blood of Christ. And so God is giving them, the, or Moses is giving them these specific instructions. But now we come to verse 14 through verse 20. And he's giving them instructions. He's giving them a command to keep this memorial. This memorial is a feast. It's the feast of unleavened bread. And tonight, what I want us to see by way of application is this. As we've seen some topology of the lamb, the blood applied to the door. And now there's this feast of memorial. And we're going to unpack what this feast is. And then we're going to unpack what that symbolizes for us. And it's exciting. It's sobering. It should be convicting for us as we unpack this. But the unleavened bread. And so I want us to see tonight that when we leave here, that we have a, a, a right perspective that my life, every bit of my life, is to honor the Lord. That we should have a, a thorough hatred and dislike to any sin in my life. And we should always take an everyday observation of do I have sin in my life? Is my life honoring the Lord? And so let's look at this feast. Just two main thoughts tonight. Uh, one is this. We're going to look at the unleavened feast that God told them Uh, to partake in so verse 14 he said and this day shall be unto you for a memorial and here's how he they're going to memorialize this passover all right and it's through this feast now he he's speaking to a particular people and I, i want you to see that first and foremost that there is a people god's talking to god is talking to his people the people of which he placed his loved on Uh, that is the people that he is telling about this feast. And I'm so thankful tonight that when God here is speaking, every time we come to God's house, God is speaking to his people. And I believe there's times he's speaking to the lost people. But this unleavened feast is typifying, as you're going to find as we look, the Christian life and a life that should honor looking back to what Jesus did for us. And so he is speaking to those that belong to him. And those are the ones that should honor what Christ has done, should respect Him, should love Him, should worship Him for that. The people that that He is talking to are those that are His. You see, you, you, you you cannot live the Christian life outside of having life from Christ. You really have no desire for the Christian life. You have no desire for God. But God comes and seeks you out. Amen. He pursues the lost. I'm thankful for that. If Christ did not pursue me, I'd be a lost man. Amen? And I'm thankful for that. But when you put your faith in Christ alone, now you are His, and your life should be His. Amen? He's the Lord of your life. And He's saying here, I want you to commemorate this act that's happening of the Passover. And I want you to remember this for all generations, this feast of unleavened bread. He said that I want this to be a holy convocation. If you look at verse 16. On the first day, the last day, this is a holy thing. And a holy convocation means 
an assembly, a group of people who are gathered together for a common purpose, and it's often religious. These are God's people coming together to, to honor what God has done for them through this sacrificial lamb, this feast, this holy convocation, all right, coming together. And I would say tonight, we come together, amen, as God's people to, to honor what Christ has done for us. And so let's look at this unleavened feast for a second. Because we don't understand this, we're not going to understand really the full application of this for our lives. So let's look and see what he, the instructions that he gives his people. So seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. In verse 15. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Seven days were set aside. And you find the extent of the command of this feast. They were instructed here, they are to remove all leaven out of their home, out of their houses. That was, it was something that they must do. All right? God came, set his love on these people. He said in Deuteronomy, he said, it's not because you're a great people. It's not because you're a people that searched me or desired me, but I came to you. And that's what God does to the Spirit. He comes to sinners for his own glory and convicts them and draws them to himself. And that's what God does. And, and so we see here, it's these people, those that are his. He says, you must make a volitional choice to remove the leaven out of your home. Because what's at stake here is that you are remembering and honoring what I'm doing for you. A death angel's coming. And it will bear no mercy to those that does not have the blood applied to the lintel on the doorpost. It will take the firstborn of every home. But here's the means of your deliverance from that death angel. And this feast, this feast is honoring and paying tribute to what God has done. And may I just say this tonight, I think our, our lives, as we're going to see in, in, in parallel to this, we should care enough about what God's done to live a holy life for Him. Amen? Here you find, He says, all the leaven should be removed. God is saying, He said, there's no time to put leaven in anything. Unleavened bread, no leaven at all, all of it should be removed. He told them when they were... Uh, uh, applying the blood or to apply the blood to the doorpost and the lintel, uh, the eating of the lamb in their home. He said, you know what you got to do? I need you to put your sandals on, have your staff in your hand, and be ready because it's as good as done your deliverance. He said in our text tonight, he said, because this day I've delivered your armies out of Egypt. This day, it's as good as done. It hadn't come to pass yet, but God said it's as good as done. Honor me for the work that I, I have done and what I'm going to do. Unleavened bread. Now you'll notice here, notice this, that he says, you know, if there is someone that does not eat the, or eats leaven or despitefully rejects the unleavened request and command of God, he said, I will remove you from the promises of the covenant with Abraham. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll remove you from it. And so I think God in the Christian life, he, he, he means what he says, Amen. And, and that's not a, a parallel to falling from grace or anything. This was specifically to the land promises, the covenant promises to Abraham. 
Uh, we are forever sealed by the Spirit, amen, as the, as the New Testament tells us. But he said there are steep, steep costs if they do not obey. So God says, I have done this great redemption for you, and I want you to keep this feast. This feast is a feast of unleavened bread. Remove all the leaven. The man of the home led his family in purposely removing all leaven. Now, don't forget that, all right? The man of the house took the lamb and cut its throat and shed its blood. The men of the home were to lead their family and lead that family of removing leaven from their home, all right? So keep that in mind. Now let's look at some application tonight. I want you to see what was at stake here. Unleavened bread, no leaven, remove all leaven from your home. You've got to do this in your own home, in your own life, um, in this, in this um, memorial feast. Now, I want you to see this about our life. The unleavened life, you see that it is a specific purge from their homes. He didn't say remove the toys. He didn't say remove this, that, or the other. He said remove the leaven. Now, if you're any Bible student at all, you know that when the Bible talks about leaven, it's usually talking about what? Sin. Anytime the Bible talks about leaven, it's talking about sin, all right? And so we understand, again, it's his people here that they are to uh, uh, partake of this feast, Removing of leaven. We look at our own lives today. God's command for us as his children is to remove the leaven out of our lives. Remove the things in our lives that are sinful, whatever they may be and wherever they may be found. The man in the Old Testament was to, to look and search and remove it with all intention. And so there is a specific purge from their homes, and, and dear Christian, there is a specific purge for your life as well. It is the purge of sin. Now that you are saved, you're saved by grace, you're in the family of God, this life is your life to be done through Jesus, to remove the leaven, to remove the sin in your life, the things that would lead you into sin. Leaven is a problem. Now, why would leaven be a problem? Why is it symbolic of sin? Well, I think any of y'all done any baking, you know leaven or yeast. When, when, uh, when, a, when a, uh, a loaf of bread has yeast in it, what does it cause it to do? To rise. So you can, and I've done this, uh, Brother Hopper, uh, you, you put some bread in there, or you put uh, 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 cookies in the oven, or whatever, and you, you turn it on, and they're pretty compact at the beginning, but you sit there and watch. They won't stay that way. They'll rise, or they'll puff up, right? And so what's happening, what's on the inside will transform what you see on the outside, and so leavening is symbolic of sin because that's what sin does within an individual. And I'm talking to believers tonight. It will puff you up. It will change your outside. And lead people to think that you don't, you're not really changed on the inside. And so that's what, that's what leaven does to bread. What does to... I like brownies. I like cookies. I have a terrible sweet tooth. And uh, I love them so much. The reason I said Brother Hopper, I'll sit there in the oven and just watch them, you know, sometimes. Not so much now, but I used to. I, I enjoy those things. But we have, folks, 
one dangerous thing for a Christian is to wake up one day and to lose sight that there may be sin in my life. To go through your day and never even think about, is there sin in my life today? Have I dishonored God? Have I disobeyed God? We should never lose sight of the fact that is there sin in my life. There should be a hatred for sin. Why should there be such a hatred for sin? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Without the shed blood of that innocent lamb there in Egypt, there would have been no protection from the death angel. And folks, I'm telling you, as we celebrate what Christ did do, Without his shedding of blood, there's no remission. And so, folks, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is living the Christian life, the life that is purging sin out of their life. That's what it's all about. That, that should be the honoring of Christ in your day in and day out as a Christian. It's living a life and making sure that sin is purged out of my life. Daily sin, things that I have done wrong, things that I have not done right. Not being satisfied with sin. It is a personal purge out of your life. Now, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians 5 for just a second. 1 Corinthians 5. Let me give you, let me give you this word purge. We've read it and we have seen it uh, in Scripture. But turn, turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6. Here's where we see this word purge come into play. God's word says this in verse um, 6. Your, go- your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little what? Leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye, the believer, the one washed in the blood, amen, that's been born again. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is what? Sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with new leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Do you see? They knew what Paul was talking about. The keep the feast. Not with the old leaven, but with, but with unleavened, with, 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 with new, that we may be a new lump. That's what he's saying. They knew exactly what he was talking about. And so this is our feast today as Christians. That we are not to be dining on life of the old leaven. But we are to be enjoying being at the table for God with unleavened lives. To be enjoying that life for Jesus Christ. He said, purge out therefore. Now, can I please bring the warning to you that Paul is bringing to our attention? A little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. Anytime we begin to categorize sin, we're, 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 we're making a huge mistake. We begin to categorize and begin to justify. 
sin. I would say this tonight, that a sin-filled pastor and a sin-filled church is probably the greatest detriment that can happen to a community. Amen? And he's talking to a church here at, 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 at Corinth. He said, you're not old leaven. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. You are in Christ. You are believers. He was sacrificed as the one, as the final Paschal Lamb. And so you, my friends, are new. You're not to dine on old leaven. That's not your life. Your glorying, in verse 6, is not good. Is not good. The only one that is to be glorified is who? From our life should be the Lord. And you cannot glorify God with leaven in your life. Dads, you want to be a, a, a godly dad and a dad that God wants you to be. You have personally have to make the decision by the power of the Spirit to remove the leaven out of your life. Moms, grandmas, aunts, uncles, whoever you are. To be who God wants you to be, we must, rage, we must bring war on leaven in our life. We should not be satisfied at all. Sometimes I've seen Christians spend more time trying to redefine sin instead of just confessing sin. You ever try to do that? Well, that was all that, not that bad. You know, that's not as bad as so-and-so. You begin to try to redefine it. And what you're doing, you're handicapping your Christian life. You're hindering your marriage. You're hindering your prayer life for your spouse, and they desperately need your prayer life. You're hindering uh, the opportunities for your children to see Christ in you more clearly when you begin to try to just justify sin, sin instead of hating and confessing sin to the Lord. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us. Our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The proper place for sin is on the altar. Not in your heart. Not in your mind. Not anywhere near you. It's to be un, it is to be an unleavened life. Can I tell you what the word purge means? It means to clean out. To clean out. To remove something richly impure from one's environment or presence. So let me, let me, let me tell you something. It's not just about the sin that's in your heart. But it's the sin that may be on your bookshelf. It may be uh, something uh, in your car, in your presence, where you go, where you take your family, wherever, it, whether it's in your heart, whether it's in your presence, the Bible says purge it out. And you say, well, this sin, it's not like taking heroin. No, her taking heroin is taking heroin. Uh, uh, committing adultery is committing adultery. Lying, uh, gossiping, all of that is sin. But I, I, I've seen people say, well, it's not like this. When all that God says, it's still sin in my eyes. And we should always see sin as how God sees it. Not how I see it. Not how my flesh sees it. But how God sees it. You remember this morning when the eleven went to, to see Christ? They saw Christ and worshipped Him. And folks, I'm telling you right now, when you keep a clear view of Christ in your life, you will never misjudge sin in your life. Amen? Because you have allowed Christ, you've allowed yourself to put the right lens on to see sin as God sees it. Sometimes, 
And you say, well, I may have had a bad attitude toward a brother and sister in Christ, but that's not like getting drunk. No. No, in one sense, they're different. But both of them are harmful. Amen? How we use our attitude, how we use our words, how we, how we use ourselves around one another, our speech. None of it's good and all of it's destructive. I told you this morning that old saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Sin, even the most minute, microscopic sin, you know what it is? It's sin. And just a little can destroy your life, maybe not at the moment, but the longer you have that little speck of sin, it's like a snowball. Anybody ever build, everybody build a snowman? You start with a little ball of snow, and you start rolling it. To do what? Make it bigger. And I'll tell you right now, your flesh is so good at this, it loves making snowmen, amen, in the sense of sin. It, 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 it knows how to compound that thing. And it'll let, it'll let you start with a speck. It'll just... He won't, your flesh won't, you know, that's all right. You don't have to go to the big stuff yet. Just start right here. You can barely see it, but you start right there. That'll be all right. But your flesh is so good on compounding and compounding, and eventually you don't even notice that it's sin anymore. But you know what happens is God sees, God sees now your marriage falling apart. God sees, God sees your church family now broken up or families hurt or families left because you think well my speech or my actions or my it's not as bad as that but it's still bad it's still sin folks let us honor God by having our feast of unleavened life for him not not being satisfied with even the little 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 leaven Little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Your glorying is not good. So if you're doing things with your life that puffs you up and makes you look like something, then you need to repent. Amen? You need to confess because that is an attitude of pride and arrogance. And God cannot use someone like that. Now I'll tell you right now at church, I tell my wife this. I said, any time that I ever present myself arrogant or prideful, or as a know-it-all, remind me where I'm at. Remind me who I am. I'm a nobody, saved by the blood of Christ. I, I did not deserve Christ. I did not deserve salvation. I look back at Calvary and that he died and suffered for me. You know, if you're saved, you never get over that. Amen? Still moves your heart. But if it moves your heart, it should move your life closer to Him and further from sin. Further from sin. Let me say, well, Brother Josh, I'm, I'm doing this in my Christian life. I'm purging and I'm purging and I'm trying to have an unleavened life for the Lord. Uh, but is there a time that this stops? If you go back to our very first verse that we read in the book of Exodus... What instructions did they give them? Verse 14, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your what? Do you notice the plural word? 
It didn't say generation. It said generations. Plural. Ye shall keep it as a feast by an order, uh, ordinance for ever. You go to 1 Corinthians and Paul's referring back to this feast to bring application who they are in the new covenant in Christ. And say, hey, this, this unleavened life, this is, this is for you, your children, your children's children, your children's children's children. This is something to continue. This is something that you put on the whole armor of God and you fight every day. It's never a time that you go to the bench and throw in the towel. That You keep on going forward in the power of the Spirit. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. That is assuming the nature of continuation. Walk in. There's not a stopping point. It's a continuation. Why is there a continuation? Because first of all, God deserves glory. God deserves honor. And then secondly, there are souls that need to see Christ through your life. You have a family that needs to see Jesus. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? Uh, Let me just talk to the men for a second. You're a dad. You're a husband. Say your wife's had a bad day. Maybe your children's really just had a bad day the devil's been attacking and they walk in and they get around you and it's like they forget uh, about their bad day because you are bringing God closer to them why because you have focused on getting the leaven out of your own life we need moms and dads and family members making sure the leaven's out because people need an unleavened soul around them, amen, to help them in their Christian life. I can't help you like I, uh, that you may need me to help you if I've got leaven in my own life, amen? You know, if someone, you know, Jason, if, if someone's working for you and they're driving nails and, and all of a sudden they just get this sick, whether it's sick at their stomach, whether it's a migraine or whatever, you know what now happens? They got to leave the work. Right? Because there's something that's disrupted their work. Their purpose. Why, the, why they are there. And that's what sin does. You're saved and you're saved for a purpose. Amen? To glorify God. Work in the harvest that He gives. Work in the kingdom that He is, that he is building. But just as someone could get a stomach ache or a migraine on a job and they have to remove themselves from the work and the labor with the team that's building something. Folks, when you let sin and you're fine with sin being there and you redefine it and you just sort of set it, you know, you're, you're okay with it. You hinder the work of God. And the Bible says we must work while it is yet day because when night comes, no man can work in the night. The Bible says, as he told them there, hey, you know, keep your shoes on, put your staff in your hand, because you're leaving Egypt. I always, I always go back and think about how the Bible tells us that the Lord's coming back. Can I get an amen on that? The Bible talks about how that no man knows the, the day, the time, the hour. Not, not even the Son of Man, but the Father knows. I think Paul, the Apostle Paul, believed in his day he was coming. You know what? He lived in that context. The Apostle Paul didn't waste time 
dabbling and re-justifying and redefining sin. He hated sin. He even talked about sin in his life. He said, who can save me from the body of this flesh because I hate it? It offends my Savior and it hurts my brethren and it slows down and hinders the work of God. And he said, thanks be to God, one day God will take me home and deliver me from the body of this flesh and I won't have to worry about unleavened work anymore. That it'll all be gone. It won't be welcomed in heaven in the presence of God. But folks, we're not there yet. We're here in the presence of sin around the adversary where he's got a fresh dose of leaven for you every morning you wake up to put into your life, making you think that it'll do you well. But all it'll do is puff you up and destroy your life for the Lord and your family and your church. So can I can I encourage you tonight? Let's have a does our life, let me give you a question. Does our life honor our Redeemer? Right now, is there any ounce, whether it be anything at all, anything at all that's contrary to God, any amount of sin, anything at all? Ask the dads on Father's Day. Say, when's the last time that you ever repented from anything? When's the last time? You say, God, help me turn from this. Because you've given me a family. You've given me a church family. Most importantly, you've given me life and life eternal. And God, I love you more than I love my own glory. So God, help me purge my life. Help me not to be satisfied with my own glory, but that my life may glorify you. And tonight, I don't know, maybe there's something, I know there's things in my life that I need to deal with to even tonight, Lord, Forgive me of this and that. And tonight, maybe God's brought some things to your mind. Saying, this may be a small thing in your mind, but to my heart, it's big. And it's hindering you. So tonight, if there's something in your life that needs to be repented of, brought to the Lord, rage war on sin tonight. Don't be satisfied with it. Just stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Ask your musician to come, song leader come. Father in heaven, though we approach your throne. Father, so many times we misuse our prayer life. Sometimes, Father, we treat the approaching of your throne as bringing a dirty laundry to, or we we treat you as a vending machine and only times when we need something. Father, tonight, can I, I would, Lord, help us as, as a people that's here to only take tonight to search our hearts of anything, resistance, unsurrendered in whatever area of life, whatever it may be that is sinful.